Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 241. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have back with us the incomparably talented and internationally revered creative team of Fugitive Poems Comics, Christian DeMatteo and James Lines. That, that is you know, that tattooed somewhere. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Last time you the, the two of you were on, you were you're promoting um containment breach volume two. And now containment breach volume two, Myth Reborn, which is a that was a pretty big stack. Yeah, it was a very nice thick anthology. This time you're here to talk about you're talking about volume three, which is containment breach volume three of clouds and ether. So Yes, yes. That sounds exciting. Yeah, so that is launching as of this recording. It's, it's launching at the end of February. And for those that might not have listened to our previous episode where you kind of talked about the origin of Fugitive Poem, poem Comics, do the two of you want to talk about the, the origin story of how you two got together? Michael Grassi is a friend of mine. And uh, he asked me to write a comic for him at one point. And I'd never written comics, which is hysterical because I'm a lifelong comic fan and a writer. But I had wanted to be a comic book artist and then discovered I couldn't draw. So instead of saying, well, I love to write, I'll write comics, I started writing short stories. I don't know why. He got me writing comics. And then one day I had an idea that, you know, it was his ideas I was working on. I had an idea. And instead of it being a screenplay or a short story or a novel, it was clearly a comic. Uh, and I was shocked. I'd never had an idea that went straight to that. And I wrote it. And uh, 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 James uh, 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 um, pilfered it off of Mike's desk, I think is the. Uh... <laughs> and uh, and the next day he comes in with the first drawing anyone had ever done of one of my ideas. I'm telling it wrong. I offended him and he's, he's leaving. See, <laughs> our partnership. See that? Oh, man, I'm, I'm getting the historic document that you're talking and I was stunned. Uh, Pamela is the character's name, and there's a story that hasn't come out yet. It's 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 our uh, raison d'etre, which I'm sure I said wrong. Uh, it is the reason we form Fugitive Poems is to make the series finish, and we've got little hints of it on our website, fugitivepoems.com. And uh, it's Pamela walking down the street, and I was it was her. It was exactly how I'd imagined it, and he had seen it the minute he'd read the words. He'd seen what it, what it looked like. And I remember last time you were on when you were talking about Containment Breach Volume One never came out as a Kickstarter. That was that was something that you kind of like released as an indie, right? Hundred percent. You know, we we were busy working on Finnis and a couple of other shorts and and learning our way around, getting figuring out how to make mm -hmm. comics. You know, um, and um, I was talking to uh, Matt Queen on Twitter. Uh, we started joking around about something and said, well, I wonder how quick we could put an anthology together. And James and I decided to be the impetus to do it. And uh, we got Matt and a couple other guys to jump in, Michael Flanagan and uh, uh, a guy goes by the name Purple Smurf and John Jack. And we, we did we did it zine style. We, you know, we were talking before the show about letting our, uh, our Gen X uh, uh, freak flag fly. Uh, we did this like it was only digital. So it was the it was the modern equivalent of stapling it and putting it on like in a coffee shop. It was only yeah. digital, and uh, it's got great stories in it. Uh, this is some of my favorite one, still one of my favorite things. James draws amazing stuff all the time, and uh, we've got articles in here and all kinds of stuff. And we just kind of did it as a hit and run zine, and it was popular. 
and we dug the process. Uh, I love editing people's writing and their comics. And he's uh, James amazing at editing the art, you know, giving that guidance because we're both teachers. Uh, and um, we discovered that as much as making comics, we loved working with helping raise of the flags of other people. So mm -hmm. we were going to do Containment Breach Volume 2 zine style, but we got so many in, so many great people that wanted to work on it that we no articles this time. It was just full comics. And uh, that's where Volume 3, and I'll tell you a secret, Volume 4, which is also already made and ready to go. What? Um, yeah, wow. is gonna be, we're going to fire right into volume four, which is wild as well. Wow. So we're, we're trying to raise as many flags as we can. Let everyone make banners. We're not raising flags. Raising flags is bad. We're raising banners. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we discovered a real passion for making comics and working with comic creators. And that's uh, mm. it's been awesome. Wow. Okay. So talk to us about, because, uh, Myth Reborn, you had you had a theme in volume two. And one. And yeah. And what so what were the themes of volume one and volume two? And then we'll talk about volume three. Well, volume one is gonna shock you. No one else is talking about this. You're not you're not gonna have any idea where it came from. Volume one's theme was quarantine chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> we it was uh March of 2020. Right. And uh you know, we thought maybe we had six weeks of being indoors. <laughs> and uh, it was what we were all thinking about. And I was sort of looking for an outlet for the concept. But we didn't, there's no COVID stories in the book. The idea was the concept of quarantine and all the other things it could mean. And that's mm -hmm. the theme. So everyone had to come up with a story that had something to do with some sort of quarantine. But we have a thing that nobody else does. And when you're watching this video, Know that as of me saying this, nobody else is doing it because people are going to steal this because it's brilliant. Um, we and I'm humble, I'm very humble. We have every team that works on our book also come up with a prompt, whatever they want. It could be a, a tentacle, you know, no, no tentacles, that's a thing, forget that. I was looking at <laughs> no tentacles. Uh, it could be, you know, a, a, a hammer and a saw, it could be terrible twos, something we were talking about earlier. It could be crayons, it could be the sacred tree. Every team comes up with a random prompt. They send them to me. I shuffle them and redistribute them. So, Barney, your team is going to get, you've got to write a comic under the umbrella theme of the book, Mythology Reborn, right? Uh, Quarantine Chronicles of Clouds and Ether. But you also have to somehow include something to do with the prompt you were given. And as a result, we get these unbelievably original, fresh, exciting stories. And everyone loves the process of, oh, how the hell am I going to put that into this story? Uh, one of the best uh, in this book, uh, Leland Bjerg and Camilla Sims, who got teamed by another company together as well. Like, we teamed them. We randomly put them together. Some other companies saw it, too. So they've got another book coming out this year, another story, <laughs> another book. Uh, they got the uh, prompt, Hammurabi's Coat. And uh, Leland emailed me, and I found out when I interviewed him, uh, which is these interviews will be coming out in our YouTube channels shortly, <laughs> that he was actually angry. But he's he's uh, Canadian, and I didn't know it because it was a very polite email. And he told me later, because I was really angry, he emailed me, you meant Hammurabi's code, right? And I'm like, no, Hammurabi's code. <laughs> what the heck am I going to do with that? Well, he came up with an incredible story, and him and Camilla did something amazing, and, and it's in this new book. Of clouds and ether, what's the theme on that? It seems very obviously airy. It just seems like something that seems more um, 
more elusive so, than Myth Reborn, it seems like. Yeah, we we we've been pulling around, you know, we've been trying to think about how to reach as much of an audience as possible um, without divulging four, which is still a secret. Um, we kind of have the yin and yang of storytelling, the um, uh, cl clouds and ether sort of cover some different ground from what we have on the other one. So we're, we're trying to kind of break it, uh, break it up and keep it going. Cause one, one of the cool things about the anthologies going back to what Christian said with the uh, prompts and so forth, based on a, on a um, central theme is even though the stories are uh, quite different as from what you can see here, there's still that kind of link there, there's that hmm. connective tissue in there that when you read through it, you're, you're, um, you know, you're still able to, um, get those together. So, um, well, Christian, you, you came up with that theme. So what did you mean by clouds of ether clouds and ether? Excuse me. So the, the idea was to go, uh, um, I wanted a sci-fi feel to the book and we don't, we don't ever tell people what genre that's the thing is this, these books do not have a genre. Um, we don't tell people what they're writing. We give them the theme and they can go where they want with it. We've had mm. some people go in a scary direction with clouds and ether. We've had some people go in a very light and airy direction, lots of fun. Uh, but I wanted to come up with something that wasn't as uh, brutal and hit you over the head as volume four is going to be. Volume four is being uh, 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 released closer to uh, October for a reason. I'll just, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I wanted we, we wanted this to be sort of the balance and we wanted this to be bright. I'm a big fan of, uh, as is James, the work of Mobius mm. and that kind of European science fiction. Uh, and I thought, I wonder if we, without telling anyone to do that, can sort of play in that sandbox. Uh, and it's funny because the story that James and I did together is not like that. It's on the out, outskirts of that. It's more uh, on the noir end but then we've got stories like you were showing some of these brighter colors and the book when you're flipping through it it balances so beautifully it's so exuberant and vibrant and that's what i wanted with of clouds and ether and i wrote to people that we want to think about the you know the musica universalis some philosophical concepts we want to think about uh, uh um, astral projection uh we want to think about uh um uh, other worlds and gods and uh, the, the the creatures of the ether and the old idea of ether a e t h e r that weird a e letter right mm -hmm. and we just we kind of brainstormed about that and gave some sense of that and then just let but that was like in three lines that we sent that we sent all the uh, contributors and then we just let them go and do because we never want to have too much control over it these are not genre based anthologies they're sort of conceptually based. And um, the goal is to really let all these great indie creators be themselves, show who they are. I took this prompt and it took me here and this company let me do it. The only thing we ask is that it be awesome. And they all are. Well, then it, it takes me to that point where you said that you do editing. So you'd mostly then have to do line editing, not necessarily developmental editing then in that case, correct? Well, we, uh, hmm, that's an interesting question. We let them come up with the concept completely themselves. Yes. Right. So usually I, you're right. I don't, it's, but it's not line editing. It's not like just for grammar. I look at the stories in our, in our editor, uh, uh, our uh, editor, Mark Capitelli, 
who is uh, unbelievable and incredible to work with. We look at them holistically. And, and the thing that Mark and I talk about a lot as far as story goes is your story can be anything you want it to be. But once mm. you tell me the rules of your story, we're going to make you stick to them. Okay. Worse than reading something or watching something where they set up a whole thing. It's very clearly this is how it works. And then they let it go for, you know, a cool scene. So you tell me the rules of your world. People, you know, breathe water. Fine, they breathe water. But don't let me see anyone breathing anything else, right? Your story has to be great and work within the parameters of your own creation. And we hold people to that. And that's actually really gotten some incredible ideas to come out because a lot of times, and I'm not, I'm a writer first and foremost. So I'm not right. talking about anyone else. The cliche comes into your brain. You're like, oh, action sequence. It'll go like this. And Mark will lean in or I'll lean in or James will lean in because he gets involved in the students. And blah, blah. But that's not how that happens in the gravity you've created. Right. Huh? And they're now forced to pull back and say, well, how would this happen in my world? And now it's something that's never seen the light of day before. Uh, right. We just want everyone to be their very best. Uh, and we have so much fun with it. I love learning the, the rules of your story and right. then learning your characters and saying, well, well, you know what? Based on what you told me, I don't think she'd say that there. What do you think? Right. And yeah. it's yeah. so much fun. We also have, we have the, like the process set up where, you know, we have a lot of input into what they're doing to make the story as good as it can be. We don't just kind of take what, what they give us and hope for the best. You know, we're, we're, we're involved for all, you know, from the pencil stage, uh, I tend to look more at the, uh, I'm more obviously of a visual guy. So I'm looking more at the layouts and so forth and making sure the story is being told visually and things make sense. And, and uh, Christian and Mark are involved in the story pretty intimately. So uh, by no means am I taking full credit for what we have, but I, I think at least um, that process is what makes our books so you know so good because we we spend so much time developing the stories and so forth and uh you know christian has such a love for good storytelling that uh you know we won't just take you know sec secondhand stuff or you know things right. that are rushed uh you know to go out to print we we really um sort of tackle each story and uh make sure that it's uh both written well and um laid, laid out well so it makes sense so it um all, all goes together and fits like a puzzle because you you both have that education background so i guess my next question would be is um having that education background make you better project managers on this anthology series or being a, a project manager for an anthology series have made you better educators in your other work for, for, i think it goes it, i think it goes both ways uh hmm. I think it's always good for a student to see that you're working in the real world and doing, uh, you know, real work. Um, I won't answer for Christian, but, you know, I don't consider myself an academic. Um, I consider myself someone who's, you know, working and doing what they're doing. And I, I like to show my students what it is that I do. But, uh, you know, also having done a couple of these now, you know, that's definitely improving our skills with that. And I, I think what really comes is, you know, being 20 years of teaching art and so forth, it's really easy for me to give uh, concise and real, uh, you know, real feedback on artwork and not just, oh, that's cool. Or, oh, I, you know, 
this doesn't look right. You know, I, I can really go in and and sort of, uh, you know, having all that experience, I go in and and really talk to people. Some, you know, some of these guys, you know, they're uh, incredible artists, but you know, I, I know how to talk and even critique someone who's doing work that's as as good, if not better, than mine. You know, just from the teaching experience. Um, and you know, the the contributors really really seem to like that. Um, I'm actually surprised. Yeah, it's like yeah, I think it has to do with the age. You know, sometimes my my students, I call them all kids because I'm an old man. You know, sometimes they'll 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 get sort of upset if I critique them, and then they you know, it takes them a couple of weeks to come back and say, okay, I see what you mean, professor. But um, these guys uh, and and ladies, uh, they they're all they, they they seem to really love the input that we they get both from Christian and the, the editing and, and uh, any critiquing that I give them on it. You know, cause uh, be, being an artist as well, you know, that it's have someone point out things and be further along on that, that road and be able to show, you know, point out things to you that you might not have ever even noticed about your own work. I gauge my success at this by the fact that thus far, I have been told thank you a great deal more than I've been told to go straight to hell. Um, <laughs> and so, and oh, strictly as far as me helping people with their work, not in the rest of my life. It's the, the balance is very different in the rest of my life. Uh, but uh, but I, I, I've got, I got an email uh, after we wrapped on uh, one of the books that I just, I sat with in astonishment because it wasn't just a thank you. He went on and, and told me, where I had helped him and what it had bought. And I get so into it. I, I'll just, you show me your story. And I'm like, oh, let's take a look at this. You know, there's some people that, you know, they they see a car engine, they they can take it apart and put it back together, right? That, I'm not that guy I, at all. I can do that though with your story. I can see it and I look around and I'll, oh, have you tried this and this little tweet? I just get excited about it. It's not even work to me. I'm not even editing. I spend entirely too long on the scripts that come in. You know, I talk to other people and they're like, well, I don't spend more than this amount of time. I'll sit there and I'll be like, oh, what if we do this? And not micromanaging either. And I make sure that I'm I'm giving concepts. I'm not saying change this, change this, change this. Um, and I've been, thanks for it. So, so far it's still working. And I'm, you know, we did this, this is a passion project. We love this. This is, this makes us happy. This is, this is the high point of what we do. And it's remained so. Um mm. Uh, we have a very strict, uh, how do I say this on your show? Well, no jerk policy, which is not actually what it's called. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we actually advertise it. And when, when you sign on to our project, we have a little blurb on the site about that. Is that you got to love doing this. We will always treat you with respect. Always. Right. We will always be upfront with you. And we're, we're here for fun. But we expect the same back. If dealing with you stops being fun, I already have a day job. I don't need more. I'm not importing that. <laughs> I will end. I will end the relationship. And most people have really been great about that. Uh, they come to create something cool, and we get to put it out, and we get to say, "Hey, uh, get, you know, uh, Jack Van Tomi, uh, you have you seen his work? Elliot Rodriguez, have you seen his work? Uh, 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 Grant Diarmid, have you have you seen his work? We put them in a book because they're awesome, and I'm." I'm so proud to be doing that. Mm. And so last time you were talking about that, you had too many writers, too many artists um, in your previous book that you had to, you're running it, you ran out of space. Uh, did you see, so 
for volume two, I mean, for volume three, and also, as you're mentioning, volume four, how do you balance returning writers and artists to new writers and artists that have been waiting in the wings for from the previous anthologies? That that is that's that was a huge thing to figure out. The first way that we balanced it, Barney, was by deciding to do two books. <laughs> me, me and James and Mark Capitelli had a meeting, and we're like, I'm like, okay, so almost. 80% of the people that submitted are stellar to begin with. So that, you know, that makes the choosing process much harder. Um, and I don't want to turn these folks away. They're ready to go. They got such cool stuff, but we can't put it all in one book. And I think it was uh, James. I think it was you. It was like, well, why don't we do two bucks? Yeah. Well, we didn't want to price ourselves out by making like a 300 page book and have to charge 50 bucks for it. We, you know, we wanted to keep about the same, price point. So we, we figured, uh, you know, that we could get, um, you know, try to be professional and, and put, put together two books together and then really focus on marketing and stuff, you know, at, you know, because we now have the two products together and thinking, you know, a little more intelligently, uh, about what, you know, how we're promoting our Kickstarter and all that sort of stuff. And so far it's worked out. It was kind of hairy for a while, but, uh, it all has worked out in the end and now now we have this sort of breathing room to be able to do uh, you know other things uh you know we, we also have you know we're working on our own you know fugitive poems we're, we're not just publishers we you know we do our own thing so we're we're going to have time to work on our one-offs uh uh new, new projects even you know think thinking in business terms uh neither of us are uh business moguls, but, uh, you know, we're starting to figure out ideas on how to branch the business out and sort of think of uh, new paths and, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, uh, it's, it, it's really exciting that, um, you know, to have this one up for uh, the Kickstarter and then you know, there's, there's never really a break, but the next one, it's nice to have that sort of in the pail or, James says, why don't we do two bucks? And Mark and I are like, oh, how cool would it be to do? And as we're saying that, James is like, I'm going to regret saying that. <laughs> but and, and I, 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 it was exhausting doing do editing and putting together. So you've got uh, uh, they've got to send us the script and a number of people will send a pitch first. We don't require it uh, every time. But if you want to work with me on the pitch, I'll do that. So then there's a script check-in date and we read all the scripts and comment on all the scripts and send them back. And then they've got to tweak them and then send them back to us for approval. So we read them a second time. Then they go to the artist for pencils and then they go to the, then we approve that and then inks. Uh, and then we go to uh, colors and letters. Usually the letters should be brought in. Um, we, Kevin D. Lintz, Kevin Lintz at Lintz Lettering on, uh, on Twitter is a great letterer. And he told me year, he told me years ago on the, the last project, the beginning of it, he says, you know, people think that the letterer is the last person you bring in. The letterer should come in when the lines are being drawn so that everyone mm -hmm. makes sure that there's room for balloons. And he's 100% right because it's so easy to forget that. And uh, he actually is on a story that I did with Jay Sheik. Um, actually, I'll bring this up now. If you go right now to the pre-launch, Today is Thursday, the 9th. Friday, the 10th, I'm going to be doing a uh, drawing 
And uh, one of our pre-launch subscribers, you got to go right to go to the Kickstarter, look for Fugitive Poems, uh, Containment Breach Volume 3, and click Notify Me on Launch. And on Friday, I am going to select randomly one person who signed up for the pre-launch to receive this exclusive poster from Jay Sheik for, he did this for Myth Reborn. Um, this is an exclusive poster that's in very few places in the world. Uh, that will send you this and a copy of Containment Breach Volume 2, Myth Reborn, which also has a story in it drawn uh, by, by Jay Sheik. Uh, and um, so right now, get over to, to Kickstarter. Uh, if you go to uh, FugitivePoems.com, you see the header right there for uh, Containment Breach Volume 3. You can click right over to Kickstarter, click Notify Me on Launch, and tomorrow I will be sending some mm -hmm. lucky person that exclusive poster in the book. Yeah, uh, uh, the, the, the notify the, the followers just went up one. So there you go. Ah, if thank you. If you're unfamiliar with the Kickstarter thing, this this is not. There's no uh, no strings attached. This is not a. You don't have to pay anything. It's just uh, basically it's just a notification, and it uh, it it really helps to sort of uh, get the launch going. You know, get you know gassing up the the launch. So, but there's. Uh, yeah you're not you're not stuck on anything of course you know we hope that you support the launch as well but that uh that pre-launch is basically just going to be telling you that um our first official day um and, and it helps us out too because the higher the pre-launch numbers the more noticed you are on the algorithm of kickstarter so we're we're trying to get because we want everyone to see this work and the reason i did that segue is you meant don't notice before we got on that i'm wearing a weird al shirt i'm a huge fan Kevin Lentz lettered a comic that I did for Containment Breach Volume 3 of Clouds and Ether called The Yankovic Theorem. Uh, I wrote it. Jay Sheik drew it. Uh, Avnish uh, Sadathian, uh, known as at Breadraiser on Twitter, uh, he colored it, and holy cow, did he knock it out of the park. Kevin lettered it. It's called The Yankovic Theorem. It's one of the weirdest things you've ever read. There's a giant marauding chicken in it. I'm just going to I'm gonna say that. <laughs> Um, uh, and, um, this, it was such a pleasure to get to work with these folks. And that, so I was in the process. James was in the process because James drew a comic, another comic that I wrote, right? So we are both writing and drawing while we're going through the step-by-step -step of everyone else's doing the two books at once was a hell of a thing. But Barney, <laughs> the proof of the pudding is that we didn't want to kill ourselves because it was exhausting. And there were nights where I didn't get any sleep going from editing all night to my day job and James too. But at no point did I regret it because of the, this, the fun we're having and what we're putting out in the world. And that's, uh, it's amazing. It's awesome. And so one of the challenges, I think you brought this up last time too, is one of the challenges of putting anthologies together is that you trying to balance the rhythm of the stories to make sure the reader still stays engaged. How complicated was that for you for these, for this volume? We're, we're actually in that process right now. We're going to meet after this interview and we're working on the galley, which is the story order. Um, that's okay. still in, still in contention. So we'll be working on that tonight. Um, once again, sort of like the way we, uh, the way we handle everything else, uh, Christian and Mark are looking at it, you know, the, the story driven angle on, you know, the, the, the order. And then I'm, I'm looking on more of a visual angle. Uh, you know, try to split things up and, you know, make them all make sense in their order. Um, mm. 
Yeah, so that's actually still a work in progress. Uh, like, like Christian said earlier, I'd say it's 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 a lot of fun. I mean, we started off, uh, I think we were texting or emailing, or you know, we kind of started off just throwing our own list together, and it you know it was a lot of fun just going through it. So that's you know, to have all this great artwork to look at and know that we have this part in it and uh, be able to assemble the book together is fun. That one on the uh, left with the God in the sky. Uh, was drawn by the the amazing Camilla Sims uh, on the story written by Leland Bjerg. Leland Bjerg, do I not have it right next to me? Leland Bjerg just put out uh, um, Berserker Monk. I should have I should have had it with me to show you. If you get a chance, go look for Berserker Monk. It is a wild story that he wrote uh, and lettered. He's a killer letterer. He lettered the uh, um, the last story in Containment Breach Volume Two. He did the lettering on on this. Uh, absolutely beautiful, but he is a great writer too. And he, he put out capsules last year and berserker monk and capsules two is coming. He's terrific. And this is, that's Hammurabi's coat and that he got it. He was annoyed with me. And then he wrote this really cool story. Him and Camilla came up with this beautiful look for the story. Uh, and if you see on the right there, we have, uh, Fern Lamb, uh, drew a story by JD Harlock, uh, with this, uh, this uh, this uh, infant of doom floating in the sky, uh, another wild story, and, and you see these different flares of color and art. And this is when you're going through the book. This is what you're saying, and that's what we're going to be making sure to go back to your earlier question about. Uh, this is J uh, Jim Coffin. The bottom left one is from a story written by the great Casey Allen of the ComicJam.com, uh, terrific mm -hmm. writer. He did uh, Voodoo Child and. Um, yeah. Uh, Bigfoot knows karate, yeah. And uh, he wrote this story that Jim Coffin, who I insist on calling Big Jim Coffin, because I can't look at his name and not put big in front of it. Big Jim <laughs> Coffin is the artist, uh, and then to the right of that is Yu Feng is the art artist, and uh, Andres Briano with Tom Linet lettering. Uh, it's a wild when the color again. You look at these colors and they're all so different, such different styles. We've got uh, Chase Bishop. Uh, on a story written by Patrick Hayes and lettered by Kyler Merrill on the left there. That's our cyber noir. Uh, to the right up a little bit is uh, the, oh, Sam Prouse. What an artist. Uh, right, drawing a story by Travis B. Hill. The other half of that image, by the way, is what you want to see. I was a real jerk and just put the this. You can't wait till you see the other half of that image. What a cool story that is. Um, and then beneath that is a story by the uh, writer Tay Bellick, who... Wow, what, what, amazing uh, what she did here. And the artist is Ayacopo Calisti. Uh, and uh, uh, the letterer on that is Aubrey Jepson, who's also a tremendous editor, if you're looking for an editor. Uh, mm. Just really cool. Uh, th these these stories, I'm so proud of all of these stories. Uh, Yankovic Theorem is the top, uh, all the way on the top of the page on the right that uh, uh, Jay Sheik drew. Um, the, the, yeah, man. I'm so excited about all of these. So the top right is Jay Sheik drew that, and uh, Avnish, uh, Avnish, you can you can call me and yell at me later about your last name. I apologize. Sethanathian, Sethanian, uh, at Breadraiser, <laughs> and uh, he uh, colored it and kept the one Kevin Lynch uh, drew uh, lettered. And to the left of that, our campaign image is from Gabe Martini, who is mm -hmm. a South American artist who is just incredible. And then we've got Jack Ventomi uh, on the right there, 
his story with Patrick Hicks called As Above is so cool. And the visuals are gorgeous. And this, he sent me this drawing, this panel, when he made it. This reflection in the glass. And I said to him, I said, all right, you know I'm a fan. But you've just hit another level. I, <laughs> that's such a cool, cool image. And these are the people we get to work with. Right. Uh, yeah. On the left here are the Hill brothers. Uh, R. Case Hill is the artist and Michael Hill is the writer in one of the wildest stories you've ever read. It's I go back to it over and over again. It's called Hemlock. Um, and I've said this before. I said, I hope you guys aren't offended by this. I hope you understand the incredible compliment this is. But when I look at your comic, I see that you're the kid in the room, the high schooler in the room, dressed all in black, who's not paying any attention. And I walk over and say, what are you doing in your notebook? And you open it up and it's this abject badassery. This is what you're doing. That's the style I see. And they loved it. Um, and one of my favorite panels of, of many favorite panels in this story that James and I did together on the right here is from Thermoclines, our story, which is wild, uh, that James drew that gentleman with the uh, with the gun. Uh, and the energy of that panel is just incredible. And on the left, we have Gabe Martini, who's uh, got, I told you, he's got that first image of the project. Uh, There's a story by Dustin Luke Nelson, who's an excellent writer. Uh, and Jack Van Tomey actually colored this. Uh, and uh, Gabe uh, lettered, Gabe Martini lettered and drew it. And it's another, it's another wild one. Mm. Uh, Matt Natalia, who's got, if you go on Amazon, look for House on Fire, pre-order it. It's coming out in April. He did a uh, uh, um, carousel for Dauntless. That's not the full name of it. I can't think of the full name of it. But if you go to Dauntless Stories, uh, he did a book called Carousel for them. Uh, he's got House on Fire coming out right now. And he did this story for us. It's amazing. Just great. Mm. Marty, I'm so excited about this book. And there are other things in here, too, that I'm not even hinting at. And, and so what can people expect from, like, the tier levels? What are some of the unique tiers that you'd be putting out for this Kickstarter? We, one, that, we're, one that, that we liked was uh, that worked well for our, fir our first Kickstarter. Uh, Christian and I still kind of screwed up. We sometimes call it Container Breach 2-1 because that's the first one that we Kickstarted. Yeah, we didn't have anything else, so we're we're gonna have another legacy tier uh, while supplies last. On so uh, containment breach one, there uh, you you may have noticed it has a shiny cover. That's our second printing of that book. Uh, so that uh, that's gonna go the way of the dodos uh, by the time we finish up that story. So if you're one of these avid comic collectors and you want the whole series. That's uh that's gonna be all there is. So that's a pretty exclusive thing. The first edition that we did, we actually did it as a test run to test our printer, uh, our commercial printer to see how it came out. And we were so excited about it that we have gone with them ever since. But um that was a limited number of copies. And then second edition, do you remember how many we did, Christian? I think we did a hundred, right? Yeah, yeah, correct. I think we did a hundred, and then um, so that that's gonna be it once you uh once those are gone, they're gone. We're not going to be printing those out again. Uh, mm -hmm. So that that will be in the the, leg the legacy one. So we'll have one, two, and three. And uh, so we're going to have uh, other reward levels as well. So we'll have the legacy tier. We're going to have uh, the book. We're going to have um, we're going to do book size prints of really cool art from the book. 
uh, as well at different levels for art. We try to give people, you know, we did postcards on the last one, but uh, it's just not big enough for me. Mm. Uh, I, I like I like I like the larger the larger size. So we're gonna do book size prints, uh, pinups that people can hang, uh, nice quality. So we'll we'll be doing that as well. Uh, and uh, uh, we always have a tier where James, um, there's very like there's two or three available of James's art from the story on the book, uh, like original art. Mm. Uh, and uh, and then we have a tier where James uh, will draw something just for you. Uh, the, the funny thing about all the reward tiers is all the work goes to James. <laughs> Nobody wants anything from the writer. So as a gag, last time I had a tier where you could get a signed copy of the script, by which I mean I just printed it out of my crappy regular printer, right? And I signed it. And a couple of people went for it. So I'm going to be doing that again, uh, <laughs> just so I can pretend I'm doing an equal amount of work here. Uh, but really, it's only the artist people want stuff from. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting so that's as you say it's people can learn more about this if they go to fugitivepoems.com yes. they'll be able to see that there's also some really good links to the the, the kickstarter page on there um they can click on that and as you mentioned uh clicking on the notify me on launch is going to be really important so they can see that pop up and wow. So if people want to learn more about just fugitive poems in general, would going to the website is the best place to go to? Absolutely. Go to the website. And uh, if you want to talk to me, uh, DM me at fugitive poems on Twitter. Um, you can certainly do that as well. But uh, fugitivepoems.com has our origin story. It has our bios. Yeah. So we have uh, also uh, fugitive poems on Instagram. You can follow uh jam uh, lines on instagram but uh and fugitive uh there's a fugitive poems page on facebook which we're going to be putting a lot of stuff up in preparation for the launch and of course when the launch comes out and we also have a new set of videos that we're going to be putting out on our youtube channel we do have a lot of uh content up there of the previous uh contributors but some of them that are up there are also in three and four. You know, we have plans in the works for creating um, educational videos, tutorial, I, I guess, educational kind of more like theory. Uh, some some of the stuff that we go through with our contributors. You know, we we have everyone. You know, we actually have some people that have worked for Marvel uh, on this new uh, titles. But we also we also have people that you know. They're not novices, but they, you know, they, they have, um, you know, we, we, we kind of mentor them along. So uh, Christian and I have been talking about uh, turning some of that content, some of the some of the stuff that we do again and again with our contributors and turning it into uh, video content. So then anyone can benefit from it. Uh, so mm -hmm. that that'll be uh, that's on our wish list when we uh, eventually have time to do something like that. Uh, right. we'll, we'll have those, uh, sort of content videos up there as well. Um, so you should, you should follow us on, uh, on YouTube if you're interested in that kind of thing. Throughout the pre-launch. So we're launching on February 28th, my parents' anniversary, actually. Uh, we're launching on uh, February 28th, but leading up to that and then through it, we're going to be putting out two or three new videos a week of interviews with every creator who wanted, we don't force them, every creator who wanted to be interviewed, I, I do interviews with them. 
Uh, it's actually some of the most fun I have. It happened because uh, I was really uncomfortable as an Italian working with all these people so closely and never having had a conversation with them. So short of being able to have a meal with them, you know, people in India and Canada and all. So well, at the very least, we should talk face to face and everyone should see it. Let's let's get your banner raised and let's let people hear what other projects you're working on. And we talk process. And if you go to Fugitive Poems on YouTube, go to the Fugitive Poems channel, you can see everyone we've worked with thus far, these great interviews. You find out so much about them and how they work in the comics and just they're really cool people and starting uh next week we're going to be releasing all the ones from volume three um wow. and there's some really great 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 people that i got to talk to uh there they're, they're called containment breach three minute meets uh and they are oh, never cool. three minutes never three yeah. minutes like 30. <laughs> <laughs> well th thank you so much christian and james and listen you make sure you, have, you come back on when you have uh, volume four coming out that'd be aw that'd be great to add you to the friend of the show list so there you yeah, go the gold corner <laughs> great <laughs> all right thank you so much for coming on guys thank you this was a great thank time So, you know, I, I was noticing, so last last year when you were on, Christian, you were talking about one of your stretch goals was to cut your hair. Like you got your... We did it. Obviously, you did it, yeah, because your hair looks a lot shorter than it did last year. I had 10 inches of, of, of man bun. Uh, yeah, no, we, uh, we got to, uh, I forget what the stretch goal was, and uh, I cut it live. My sister cut it off my head with a knife, like right. a samurai shaming ceremony live on Twitter. Yeah, it was right. great. So, but are you going to, so I'm just, so James, you're going to do the same thing this time, but like, if you hit that gill of like 6,250, that you're going to trim your beard or something like oh, that. Or? No. I, <laughs> I got, I got the hair this time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I might cut the hair. There's no way the beard's coming out. You shave yeah. your head. No, that was a travesty no. last time I did that. I figured out how bald I can get. Uh, how much I'm balding. I I I remember one summer I, I shaved my head and I realized I have like a really weird dent in my top of my head. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> all right. So let me get let me do the intro and we'll jump right into it.